0: I'm Vic Singh, and you're listening to Pada Bing, a podcast that rigorously examines The Sopranos one episode at a time. Please remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this right now. If you love the podcast, this project, and what it's all about, please spread the word. Share this episode or your favorite one with one new person. That's all it takes. You can follow us on all the socials at Potabing. And if you're up for it, you can support the show by visiting glow.fm slash Potabing. To play in the next trivia show for a chance to win swag, guest on the pod, or just secure permanent bragging rights, DM at Potabing on Instagram. Finally, as always, thank you for listening and being part of this journey. Coming up is a conversation I had with Frank Pando. Frank played Agent Grasso on the show. He called in from the city to share his soprano story and more. I had a chance to meet him in person a few weeks ago, and he's as affable in person as he was during our conversation. To top it all off, he's a kindred spirit for life on account of a musical act we both love, which we got into a bit at the end. That's all I got. Here's Frank. Frank, thanks for being a part of this.
1: Yeah, man. My pleasure. My pleasure. I've, I've been listening to uh, a couple of the episodes. It's uh it's really great. It's very entertaining. I've, I've been having a blast listening to them.
0: I'm happy to hear that. So you played Frank Grasso, an FBI agent right. on the show. What's your Soprano story? How did it happen? And what was going on in your life before the call?
1: So this is, a, I, mean, I guess that was 1998 or 99. I, I pretty much just moved to New York uh, with my theater degree from, uh, West Virginia university. Um, I'm from New Jersey, but I, I got a, a theater scholarship to West Virginia New- university. And I went there and I graduated and moved into the city. And at that point, you know, just trying to figure out what to do, me and a couple of friends, my roommate, we would, uh, produce plays. Uh, we do sketch comedy. Uh, we, We kind of hosted an open mic night. We did all that, just hustling around New York, trying to just get out there. Uh, This is pre internet days where you just had to just like do stuff and get backstage and and hustle around. So I was doing that. And, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to, uh, when I was in college, uh, one of my best friends, um, she moved to New York the same year I did, maybe a few months afterwards. And she went the other route. She was in the theater ma She was a theater major, but she was in the more like uh, directing, playwriting. But when she moved to New York, she got into the uh, management and agent side of the business. So I was lucky enough. I was fortunate enough, which I'm sure many actors will tell you how hard it is to get an agent. Yeah. I was fortunate enough to have that when I got into the city. So I was plugging along, um, just, you know, producing my own stuff and my, my who she's still my manager now. Uh, back then, she was an assistant at some agency in New York, and I remember. Um, I remember it was. I remember this is crazy because I almost missed this this whole opportunity. Uh, it was a Friday, and I was out with who was my girlfriend at the time, who is now my wife. And uh,
0: you're a loyal guy, it was man. Back
1: before <laughs>
0: management and relationships, I,
1: I, I have really good. Yeah, right. I have really good people around me. I've been fortunate. I mean, especially those two. Very uh, My awesome. wife and my manager. Yeah. Um, so this is back before the days of cell phones, 1998. And this, back in the day, there was a famous actors had called your service. And you would check that periodically to make sure you had an appointment. You know, you feel very important. I got to check my service. <laughs> uh, and I remember it, it was Friday and I was out with my wife at night and just I just checked my service because I didn't check it that day because I never had any auditions. You know, I was just new to the city uh, and I have an audition. I had a call from. This age, this I don't know. I don't. Don't forget if it was, I don't remember if it was my manager or if it was actually Giorgiana Walken's office. But it was telling me I had an audition on Monday, the following Monday for the show The Sopranos, uh, which obviously no one had heard about yet. And you know, I'm, I'm sure a couple of people have told you the first thing they thought was it was a singing show. Sure. Uh, because of the title, which so I was like, oh man, what is this? Uh, so I tell my wife, I'm like, I think I missed an audition, and she's like, you need to call. I was like, it's ten o'clock at night on Friday. She's like, you need to call. So I called the office of Georgiana Walk, and Luckily, she fit me in on Monday. Uh, And, you know, it was very small. It was like three lines uh, for the first episode. And it was only a one-off. It was only going to be one episode. It was like three lines. So I went to her apartment. I remember she lived on the Upper West Side. And (laughs) I was in the room. And she had a long-haired cat that was crawling all over me while I was doing the audition. And I'm allergic to long-haired cats. So my eyes immediately puffed up and I was like wheezing. I just wanted to get out of there. So I kind of just threw the audition away and she was like, that was great, Frank. Uh, do you want to come to the call back tonight? I was like, yeah, of course. So they sent me to Silver Cup Studios out in Queens, which back then was a, a wasteland. There was nothing there except mm. the studio. Now it's like where Amazon was going to build their headquarters. It's, it's crazy how much they built it up. So I go there that night. My eyes are all puffy. Uh, <laughs> it's like six hours after my initial audition and I go in and the room is full of a bunch of, you know, agent Grasso types. There's a bunch of, uh, Italian looking, uh, authoritative guys. And, uh, Matt Cerrito was there. Uh, I know you did an interview with Matt, Matt, you know, agent Harris, but great I think guy. he auditioned. I think he was, I think he was a great guy. I think he was originally auditioning for agent Grasso. And then they asked him to come read for the, uh, for the, you know, the, the head guy, the head FBI guy. So I <laughs> What's that?
0: Kubitoso was the head FBI guy. Agent Kubitoso. Yes. Yeah.
1: Frank, Frank Cubitoso. Frank yeah. Another Frank. Yeah. And whose actual real name, rest in peace, Frank right. uh, owner of the famous Rayo's restaurant yep. in Harlem, um, that you can't get a table to even to this day. So I go in, I go into the room and, uh, you know, it's a big room. There's like 15 people in there. And is mind you, this is like my second or third audition in New York for like something of, of importance, you know, for a TV show or film other than some like, you know, winky dink black box black box theater play in, in the basement of a something in Newark. You know, this is a real deal thing. So I'm in the room and I do my few lines and uh, they're like, OK, that was great. And I'm walking out of the room and I remember Tim Van Patten goes up to me. He calls after me. He goes, Frank. I'm like, yeah. He goes, you're Italian, right? And I go, uh, yes. Yes, I am. And I'm not Italian. Uh, but I'm glad I told that lie because I, I don't think I would have gotten the role. Uh, I'm Chilean. I'm 100% Chilean. I was bo- actually born in uh, in Chile. But the role is you know, imperative that the guy is Italian, or at least the guy is supposed to be Italian uh, because that's the whole premise of the uh, fight that he gets into with Tony. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so a couple of, I think it was a day later, two days later, they called me and told me I booked, booked the role. So that was my story of how I got that part.
0: Incredible. A couple of things. Uh, your last name ending in an O certainly helped, uh, fleece <laughs> them over, right? Cause if you. Re-
1: Absolutely. Yeah. My first name is actually Francisco, but, uh, I, yeah, but when I was a kid, I, like for some reason, my teacher in third grade decided it was too hard for the other kids to say. So she changed my name to Frank, and I've been Frank ever since. Ever since. Yeah, but my my started.
0: name was cut to Vic by my kindergarten teacher as well. These are the things that happen to people. Oh, I'm people. sure. Yeah. I'm sure. When, Mal- I, when,
1: I, when I saw your last name, I was like, I don't think his name is Vic.
0: Yeah, no. It was determined at an early age that I would be Vic, and it's been Vic ever since. The thing that caught me was that you, your wife, or your now wife, told you to call 10 o'clock on a Friday night. Someone answered yeah. at 10 o'clock on a Friday night? No.
1: No, 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 no. I left a message. Gotcha. And okay. uh, the casting directors, be begging for them to, because I, I missed a call. You know, I completely missed the call. So I called and I begged. I was like, listen, can you please call me Monday, first thing in the morning, and I, you can fit me in. And they called me first thing. They're like, can you get here in two hours? And I just ran over there. I put on a jacket and a tie, and I ran over there. Uh, I lived on the other side of Manhattan, so it wasn't that far. I lived on the Upper East at the time. So I just had to walk like two miles or a mile and a half so luckily I, I went in and I mean if it wasn't for my wife telling me to, to to make sure to call them back I would never you know I wouldn't be doing this
0: R- exactly isn't it crazy how we, we <laughs> listen we listen to our we should listen to our better halves more I think is the general takeaway oh,
1: absolutely um, <laughs> Why this is made it by that?
0: did you audition for anything else
1: no 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 I mean th- you know I'd never even heard of the show this was uh, I think the episode the first episode I did was maybe number six uh,
0: number eight seven it was it was Number Tennessee okay. Montasanti.
1: eight, right, right. That was the first. No, that was the first thing I'd heard about it. That was the first thing I'd auditioned for. I, I didn't know anything about it. I had no preconceived notions. It was just, oh, great! I was excited because this is also the first time I was ever on TV.
2: Yeah. So yeah.
1: I mean, it was a big deal for me. I mean, showing up to, first time I had a, a you know a little trailer. First time they called me in for wardrobe, um, which ended up being a a comedy of errors throughout the years as I gradually gained about 60 pounds from season one through season seven. <laughs> so that was always an issue, uh, for wardrobe
0: on purpose or was no. it just life?
1: <laughs> no, it was life. And, and it's funny because they actually started, I think they started writing that into, you know, in a few episodes that I did, all of a sudden I found myself like, if you watch the show and the FBI scenes, I remember one time they were like, um, Hey Frank, um, you, do you mind eating a sandwich in a scene? And I was like, no. You know, I was hungry. I mean, I had lunch. I was like, sure. And I didn't know at the time what that entails to eat on camera. I mean, I don't know if you're aware, but when you eat on camera, it literally means you're eating 28 sandwiches throughout the course of the day. Because every time you take a bite, you have to take a bite on that line every single take from every single coverage of wherever the camera's at. So uh, I, I ate a, like 28 salami sandwiches once. <laughs> I remember once. What, <laughs> I remember once when I was in the car. In uh, I was. I remember it was a blizzard out, and I had a scene with uh, with Curdo, uh, uh um Ray Curto? Yeah, it Ray Curto, right? Yeah, I had a scene with him, and I remember it was also like morning. And for some reason, I think they were just having a laugh. You know, the guys get bored of the crew, and they're like, uh, Frank, do you mind eating Kentucky Fried Chicken? In the scene. <laughs> I was like, I I think like, sure, why not? And so it's seven o'clock in the morning and I'm eating I have a bucket of cold Kentucky fried chicken <laughs> in the car with me. And I'm doing this this like interrogation with Ray Curdo and I'm thinking these guys are just I think they just get a kick out of watching me eat. I'm sure. So over the years over the years, you know, because uh they'd go they'd go uh a few times, a couple almost like a year in between in between seasons or maybe like a year and a half at one point and I remember like every year they call you know I never knew I, I thought I had one episode I never knew I would get another and every time I did an episode I thought that was the last one they'd ever told you they, you weren't part of you weren't privy to their uh to the Master of the uh, exactly we were you know we're hired guns so every time when they would call me it's so it's funny whenever you book something the first people to call you pretty much the way you find out you have a gig is wardrobe calls you so wardrobe would call me they'd be like frank you're back in and i was like great that's fantastic they're like do we need to do another fitting <laughs> and I'd be, like, I'd be like i'd be like no no i'm good i think i'm good and sure enough i'd show up there and they'd be like frank you pants don't fit you anymore <laughs> i was like oh no so it's actually the funniest, and it's funny, and it's also kind of uh, bittersweet. The last episode of the show I ever did, the finale, yeah, uh, which I'm in, and they cut my scene. I, I, it was a little bit of a bigger scene. They cut it down. I don't even know. I think I, I think you see me in the scene, uh, but I'm in the finale. And I remember I showed up because I hadn't done the show for two years at that point because I was doing um, the year before. They asked me to be on it, and I couldn't because I was doing I was doing a Broadway show. I was doing Street Desire. With uh, John C. Riley and Natasha Richardson, so I couldn't get out of that. I was, you know, I was booked up completely. So they kind of replaced me as they, with Agent Harris's partner, the uh, with Michael Kelly. Yeah, which is funny because that's Doug Stamper. Right. You know, yeah, of course, yeah, which that, is crazy. Right?
0: Yeah, it's crazy. It's it's crazy that if you look back at the show, there are so many cameos from people that have gotten like stratospherically hmm. big since being on the show. Lin
1: Manuel Miranda.
0: Yeah, Lady Gaga is one of AJ's friends. Um, it's it's really? just yeah yeah. And it, oh, when, I didn't know that. When they uh they vandalized the swimming pool, she's one of the girls on the yeah. bleachers.
1: Oh, I have to rewatch that. I had no idea. Yeah, I, I rewatched the show a couple of months ago, and I was watching, and I was surprised at all the people. Yeah, but uh, Michael Kelly ended up taking my uh, my place for that season. Not taking my place, he just he got his own. You know, the guy doesn't need my help with anything, obviously. Right. Uh, but I I hadn't shot in two years, and then they call me for the finale, and they're like, they're like, hey Frank, um, you're in the finale. I was like, cool. They're like, do we need to measure you again? <laughs> and I was like, I think I'm good. Of course I show up. They're like, they're we're going really fast that day. They're We need you on set in 10. So I'm like, okay, okay. And I try on the pants. Of course they don't fit. So wardrobe is having a heart attack because they're, they're getting hurried up by the second AD and the director, everyone. So they throw a pair of pants at me. They fit perfectly. I shoot the scene. I'm taking off my wardrobe. I'm like, these fit perfectly. And she goes, yeah, those are James Gandolfini's pants. <laughs> so... Yeah. So by the final, the finale of the show, I had I got as big as as James Gandolfini, which I, I say with a point of pride because uh, you know anything you can compare yourself with that guy is a is a great thing.
0: Why were they in a rush that day? Any idea? The finale. I
1: just think when uh, no, I just think when they're moving fast, you know, uh, they're when they're at a good clip, when, when the lighting's going good and the performances are going good, they're just in a groove and they don't want to slow anything down. You uh, know, they want to get out of it. Yeah. They gotcha. want to get out of there and they want to go have their cocktail. You know, it, it's funny when, you, when you're on set or when you shoot something. Uh, I always tell people, you know, people are like, that must be so great. And it is great. It's, you know, every time I get a good gig, I'm always excited and thankful to be there. But I always tell people the best part of getting the job is that phone call saying, you got the job. Do hmm. you know what I mean?
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I,
1: it's, it's always that phone call where you're just like, you put down the phone and you call your family and you tell your friends. And you're just full of joy that you know. Oh, this is great! This is why I love doing this. I'm going to get a chance to do this again. But there, of course, then of course, when you're on set, you're just like, I wonder how much longer we're going to be here. You know what I mean? Of
0: course, it becomes <laughs> like, it becomes a job. Yeah,
1: like, it becomes a job. Well, you're sitting. You know, it's a lot of sitting around and waiting in your little in your little room or whatever. But uh, you know, in hindsight, I wish I just realized how great of a gig that was because I mean, I've done a lot of TV. Yeah and film here in here in New York and uh it is nothing that's measured up to the quality obviously the quality nothing has even come close um uh, except like this last this last project I did a few months ago was pretty good the uh central park the uh when they see us about the central park dogger yeah that was a pretty amazing project with uh with amazing people uh to work with but most of the shows you know you you just realize how great
0: the sopranos the people is. on it
1: were the actors on it were, and I think because they did it, they did that thing that you think TV would figure it out by now, uh, because all the great shows, I think figured this out to cast people that are real, that look real. Yes. That act real, that aren't all 23 year olds, you know, models. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you, you think back at how great, You know, Gandolfini was and Edie Falco was, and just watching them do their job. And that's that's what they did their job. And there was no drama. At least when I was there, I never saw any temper tantrums against the director or with another pettiness with another co star or anything, any of that. At least I didn't see any of that in the few times I was there. It was just a pleasure every time I got to be on that set.
0: I heard a great anecdote about how, uh, James Gandolfini had an exchange with a, with an extra and the extra gave him an instruction and he listened to the instruction, like, like as if they were co-equals, really, really cool thing to wow. hear. Obviously it was, that was a, usually doesn't happen, but it just sort kind of sh- gives you a window into what you're saying or illuminates a little bit of what you're saying.
1: Yeah. He's great. Like, like he's actually, James actually, uh, my line, like, uh, the first, the first episode I ever did, you know, when, I, when we when go into their house and
2: you break, break the, the dish, bowl of yeah.
1: I break the dish in the fridge, and then they come in the kitchen. And the original, I remember the original line. I mean, the original line was, uh, Master Vito, Agent Harris goes, Grasso, clean that up. And then I remember, James Gandolfini, Tony Soprano's line was, Grasso, figures. Yeah. That's what he says, Grasso, figures. And my line was, yeah, you figure pretty good yourself. And then we kind of went out. That was the original line that I auditioned with. And I remember being on set, and James Gandolfini was like, uh, "This line does. Do you like this line?" To me, uh, and I was like, "I, I it's fine. <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> I'll say whatever." Whatever. Sure, it's yeah. Fine. He goes. He goes. It doesn't work for me. He goes. You mind? We, we'll change it. I go. Whatever you want to do, man. I go. I'm. I'm good with whatever. So cool. So I remember he was asking around. Maybe he knew. But he asked around, He goes. How do you say I'm going to make your asshole this big? Mm-hmm. And, and in Italian. And said to him, you know a Yeah, in Italian. And the line is what Facaccio culo così," something like that. And so that became the line. He just changed it on the spot. I don't know if he asked anybody, but he just changed the line from what was written on the page. And uh, which is rare, like, I've yeah, heard. That actually, yeah, yeah. The I mean, script is, is usually
0: pretty tight on that show. That show.
1: I think he maybe, maybe him and Edie Falco were probably the only ones.
0: (laughs) Yeah, uh, I would imagine.
1: Who could get carte blanche. But he changed the line. And then I I also remember I was so excited and I was full of so much uh, adrenaline being there that the first time we shot the scene, like when I get up, I charged him pretty hard. Mm -hmm. I actually, like, yeah, I kind of like went into him and he was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, cut. He goes, okay, you're coming at me a little too hot. (laughs) I was like, sorry, man. He goes, no, 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 no. He goes, I like what you're doing. He goes, I like the intention. It's great. But what I'm saying is if you went at me, Tony Soprano, like that, I'd have to do something. And I'm, you know, and I was like, I understood, understood. But I toned it down a little bit because I went in hot, you know, I went in guns blazing. I think I like backed him up against the wall. (laughs) You know, it's pretty crazy.
0: You appeared in 12 episodes across the whole series. First, we mentioned in The Legend of Tennessee, Multisanti, and in the series finale, Made in America. Favorite memory? Right.
1: Mm. My favorite, oh, man. God, uh, you know, just, I guess, just, I think my favorite thing was, you know, because it, it was kind of, at least, because I was there so sporadically, I mean, I did twelve episodes, but you know, over the course of like ten years, yeah. So you know, you never felt, and also because I was an FBI agent on the show, there was kind of that like us against not not that anyone treated me differently, but you know, I didn't have the camaraderie with the guys that those guys had. You mm-hmm. know, uh, my camaraderie was with the FBI agents. So hanging out with uh, like the FBI scenes with Matt Servito and then Frank Pellegrino and you know uh, Gary Perez and a bunch of other New York actors that had uh parts as FBI agents uh that was a lot of fun the camaraderie of just being there and uh, you know just pretty much that that you know I didn't really have that much interaction with uh with any of the other uh, on, the, on the on the other side of the family Sure. Um, you know, I, I was working with Skip Lapari was really cool. Yeah, he's a uh, cool guy. He know, was on the, the podcast.
0: He was you know, Louis Lombardi, he was on the pod as well.
1: I listened to that one. He is, I could listen to that guy for four hours. Yeah,
0: he should have his own podcast is exactly what we were talking really about should. after. That yeah. guy
1: is just so entertaining. I mean, he's so, and he's got so, so full many of life. stories. But that was a great experience working with him when we wired up Big Pussy. Uh, that was a really fun episode. And it was a lot of fun working with him. Uh, so just the the camaraderie of the FBI guys and just the, just seeing how well a crew works together. And I've never since been on a, been on a show where everyone is so cohesive and knows what they're doing. And then, and no one's screaming art department, isn't screaming at lighting and and vice versa. Everyone just does their job. Uh, and The directors are just on top of everything. And it's just, you show up, you do your job and, there's you know you don't have to worry about the script, and that's the, once you don't have to worry about the script, you're set you know I mean it's all on the page, so they're gonna make you look good even if you're not good, you know because those words are unbelievable.
0: Any impressions or experiences or moments with David Chase the creator
1: not none at all, other than I'd walk through the hall you know and I'd bump into him around the corner, and he'd wait he'd go, "Hey, how are you?" and I'd be like, "I'm good." <laughs> Um, yeah, I think in the finale, maybe was the most I ever talked to him. You know, he just, uh, he said, good to have you back. Okay. And I was like, you know, it was, you know, I, I know he writes a thing, but it was nice to think that, to know that they thought enough of me to write me back after not being on the show for two years. Cause I was doing a play. You yeah, know,
0: well, that, you know, the show loves continuity. Like, it's one of the things that we really explore. There's, there's uh, moments or lines or, or characters that reappear. Even if they're deceased, they're spoken of in a later episode. And I like that they right. had the co- one of the greatest scenes with Tony. It's a teachable moment for his kids is his encounter with you and how an Italian-American is you know, our antagonist. And he's teaching AJ about the history of who invented the telephone and, and all these cool right. things. And so you remember uh, Agent Grosso because of how Tony uses that that encounter with him to sort of become a better parent in a way.
1: And right, the, all done through writing. They put that little earworm in you about yeah, the character. Yeah, absolutely. Go, oh, that's that, that that's the turn, and it's funny because you know in that show, walking in the street, uh, you would get and from family and friends. You know, everyone's always like, I can't. But you know, you never really appreciate when you're when you're on something like that because you really don't see it. You see, you, you don't really have, you can't see what other people are seeing, where people just like, you do realize you're on the greatest show of all time. Yeah. Now know, you do. You know, you're trying, you're humble, you're, you're like, yeah, man, I have a small part I'm I'm happy to be there. Like, no, you don't understand. You're in the greatest show of all time. Doesn't that make you crazy? Doesn't that, you know, make you nuts? I'm like, nah, I don't see it that way. But, you know, you also get people like you're an asshole. You know, leave Tony alone. You know, that kind of stuff because, you know, the FBI guys on that show are the bad guys to a lot of the fans. Especially here in the tri state area New Jersey.
0: Yeah. Agent Harris is the one exception and we talk about that when I when I talk to Matt on the pod as well. Like Agent Harris was kind of a friend from day one. He kind of really handled and yeah. managed managed Tony the right way. And then at the very end he kinda of tips him off on all the things that are going down potentially against him. And it was he's the one salvaged, I did see the,
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: One salvaged FBI character.
1: They did that thing where uh, I guess it was based on reality about uh, you know, what what do you say, we got them or Harris's line like we beat them or something yeah, like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're New talking Jersey about. The Jersey mob, the New York mob, but that was taken from like a real A real incident. Real, a real FBI agent, correct?
0: Yeah. What were things like immediately post Sopranos for you? Was did you have like a bump effect?
1: You know, I got some pretty cool meetings out of that. I, I remember one of my one of my favorite one of my m- most valued memories of auditioning was, um, I think it was for analyze this or analyze that one of the analyzes, uh, how Ramis, how called me in to audition for one, an FBI agent on that, on, the, on one of those movies. And I'm a huge Harold Ramis fan. I mean, I, he's, he might be my favorite writer director. I mean, God, the amount of movies, you know, National Lampoon and and, Ghostbusters and Stripes, all that stuff. He's my favorite. Rest in peace. Another one uh, taken way too early. But I remember him coming in and, and he just kind of like fanned out. I mean, not on me, but just on asking me questions about The Sopranos. He was like, hey, man. And I was just like, holy shit. I'm having a conversation with Hal Ramis in a little room for like 45 minutes. And he just asked me all about the show, and then he had me read something for the film, and uh, and I didn't get it. So, <laughs> but it was cool to just be in the room with him and see him fan out. But
0: you got an experience with Ramis I could,
1: Yeah, I had a great, I had a great experience with Hal Ramis I mean, I don't know if I got a bump. Okay. Uh, per se, um, I I don't I don't think so. I just you know, I'm one of those actors that's just you know, just you're you know what what my manager told me, and it's actually something that I, she hit right on the head was. She told me when I was in my late 20s, when I did The Sopranos, I was like 27 or something, 26. Uh, she said, you're not going to work, really, until you're in your 40s. And I was like, what? She's like, yeah, you're a character actor. you know, You're, know. And that's how this business is. You're a character actor, and you're lucky you have a part on this show. But you know, those parts are normally given to people that are a lot older. And if they're going to be a 20-something-year-old, they're going to be, especially the way network TV is, they're going, be they're going to be a heartthrob. They're going to be a really good looking dude. You know, if you watch any of the TV shows on Network TV, you see that every time you put the channel. And guys like me aren't going to really work till their 40s. And she was right. I mean, in my 40s, I've done a bunch of. So I guess like recently, I've gotten a bunch of, uh, you know, in the last like seven years, uh, I've been getting a lot of big roles, um, uh, big guest star roles, and, you know, moved over from the co star to the guest star, which is the biggest, you know, the bigger role of the episode, the main non-regular cast member of that episode. So I've been doing a lot of that. So I don't know if I got a bump, per se. Okay. But, uh, I mean, it it couldn't hurt. I'm sure it didn't hurt having that on the resume, you know? No, it still doesn't hurt. Although I do see that a lot of the people that are on that show, unfortunately, and I think it's a crime, uh, don't really work as much as I think they should. I think there's some people on that show who did such amazing work. But also, you know, I, I guess it's hard, maybe for people in the industry to see them as anything but that character because they were so great as that character.
0: I mean, I'm just speaking from the outside, but I can totally see how it's a blessing and a curse. Because, yeah, um, I would, you know, I would imagine that you still get Agent Grosso when you're out in the world today, correct? Do people still see you? I look
1: you? so different. I look so different. Uh, you know, I normally have facial hair, and when I did that show, I had to shave because FBI agents, unless they're undercover, can't have facial hair. Um, and I've gained like seventy pounds. You know, uh, I was really skinny back then, and I, and I'm not anymore. I'm, 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 you know, I'm a, I'm not robust, but uh, you know, I'm I'm a big guy. So, uh, so you, you escape know, get, it a little I get, bit. I, get, I I do. I I get working for like uh, shows that really have a huge following. That you would never answer I get stopped at least once a week. Uh, I did an episode of Blue Bloods a couple of years back. It uh, was a pretty big episode. I played this gay uh, detective. That gets outed uh, by his partner, and and at least once a week, a seventy-year-old woman or man on the street screams "Blue Blood" because <laughs> <at me. laughs> that's the demographic for that show. Sure. So I know when when some seventy-year-old person is staring at me on the subway, <laughs> I immediately know what's gonna what what's about to happen. And they're like, "You're an actor, right?" That's you know, funny. You as the gay cop on Blue Blood, you know? So that's been never never really for Grasso. Now I look really different from that kid. I mean, I look at it now, I'm like. I just rewatched a show uh, recently, uh, you know, uh, because of the 20th anniversary thing. It was in my head. I was like, you know what? I haven't seen the show in so long. I only saw it one time, and that was when I was on. I never rewatched it. And I rewatched it, and I binged it in like a week. And God damn, that show's good.
0: It's so good. I man. remember
1: just the next telling my wife, I was like, babe, this show, I was like, it's not because I'm on it as much, no, because I've done a lot of stuff that's garbage. And I'll be the first to admit that it was a paycheck or whatever. Sure. But I was like, God damn, this show is good. I was like, it's so good that I might rewatch it again.
2: Thoughts on the ending? like
1: now. You know, when I I first saw it, because I was in the finale, but I had no idea how it was going to end. And everyone thought I knew because I was in the finale. So everyone started calling me. And they were like, what happened? Did my cable go out? I think my cable went out. What happened? I don't think, I I didn't see the ending. My TV went out. And I got like 10 calls from family members and and friends. I was like, I don't know. I was like, "I, I wasn't privy to this information. I think that's how it ended. It just went to black, and um, I think it was um, at first I was like, I don't know if I like this, but I kept thinking about it, and because I'm, it was always on my mind. I said, well, it obviously had an impression on me because I can't stop thinking about it. So it really moved me in a certain way, and uh, well, by rewatching the show, I listened to this little nugget, which I'm sure you caught on way before I did. Um, the episode with uh, Bacala and Tony, mm-hmm. where they're talking about what happens when you die in the boat. And I, yeah, and I think it's Bacala who says, it just goes black. Yeah. And I remember watching that, like this is like a month ago I rewatched the show and I was like, holy shit. I was like, I mean, I don't know if that's it, but if it is, that's perfect. You know, that that it would be so perfect that Chase put that in there like that, where only someone who really paid attention to the show would catch on to that. But uh, so in, in hindsight, like now, I think I think it's a masterpiece. I just rewatched it. and I thought it was a masterpiece. I mean, the tension at that last scene, uh, creating tension with that music and the door and the parking—it it was like a Hitchcock movie. You know, you're like riveted. What's going to happen? It was—it was brilliant. So yeah, I really enjoyed it.
0: Beautiful and well said. Are you reading anything good right now?
1: I am. The book I'm reading right now is uh, the Right Stuff from the uh, the uh, space program. Um, I'm rereading. I'm rereading. The Bonfire of the Vanities, it's
2: because a great that's my book. favorite
1: book of all time. Uh, it's unbelievable. So those two books I'm reading uh, right now, and I uh, just finished reading the latest uh, Jonathan Franzen book, uh, Purity, I think it was called.
0: Okay. Favorite music right now?
1: I really love War on Drugs. That's my favorite band right now. Uh, Warren Drugs is a fantastic, you never never heard of them.
0: First album, I, I, uh, Lost in a Dream, or their uh, most no, recent you should album? Get,
1: you should, their, last, their last album. A that, Deeper Understanding? Out, uh, yeah, oh, you know them.
0: Oh, I I live and breathe Warren Drugs, man. My five-year-old has literally been raised on Warren Drugs, played in our house that every day. That
1: is amazing. That is amazing. Yeah, I saw them in concert at Terminal 5 last year, and it was one of the best concerts I ever saw. Uh so I'm listening to that and I've actually been on a Gary Newman kick because of that show, uh, Mindhunter. You oh, watch Mindhunter? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I watched Mindhunter and uh, whoever picks the music for that show uh is because they did some really deep cuts from these artists. And one of the episodes, I think it was episode six of this last season, they had this amazing, really great, like, you know, almost like craft work, you know, uh synth- synthesizer music. And I was like, Who is that? And I looked it up online and it was Gary Newman, you know, who sings cars. Remember that song cars?
0: Sure course
1: yeah yeah so i've been listening to him a lot which is uh his stuff which is from 1979 1980 which is really great so that's the two things i listen to pretty much on heavy rotation right now
0: war on drugs question for you um this is impromptu uh you're you're originally from new jersey is it a hot take that he's got vibes of bruce springsteen is that too hot of a take absolutely or is it accurate
1: i absolutely I you know he, that is completely. You you hear Glory Days, you yes. Hear a lot of Bruce, so you feel it too, a right? A lot of Tom, Pe- absolutely, absolutely, totally Bruce Springsteen. That kind of like swinging, really melodic, driving down the road music. A lot yeah. of Tom Petty, a lot of that great anthem, eighties, you know, rock and roll Americana. It's. It, yeah, I they said that. I, you're not the first person ever have say that either.
0: Okay, good. Well, I I keep it to myself. I keep that. I keep that under wraps. I said it to <laughs> a few people. I almost got thrown out of a car once, so I'm careful with it. But <laughs>
1: yeah, people are very Bruce Springsteen is very polarizing to people who, unless you're as, from New Jersey,
0: as know. he should be. But you know, there's it's okay to it's okay to have new artists that have hints of him.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, I'm glad hey, you said you're gonna, that. You're, if you're gonna steal, steal from the best. Exactly.
0: There you go. Finally, ideal breakfast.
1: <laughs> uh, I, I'll tell you what it is. It's, it's, it's my, anytime I get an acting job, uh, you, know, you show up and the first thing you do is you go to uh, the, the breakfast truck. And it's become my go-to meal. Uh, and it's, it's a healthy meal, but I don't eat it because, because it's healthy. I eat it because I really, really like it. It's an egg white feta omelet on toast. That's what I have every time I shoot something.
0: Frank, this was great. Thank you so much.
1: Hey, my pleasure. Thanks a lot, Vic.